How's it going, everybody? Welcome to church. Great to see you. Great to have you here. Week three of Vision, our Good Work Sunday. If you have a Bible, grab it out. If you don't, it's going to come up on the screen. And our key scriptures for today are Second Chronicles 7.14, which you should know off by heart by now, or Galatians and Galatians 16. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. And Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Amen. To all people, the Bible says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Today's our final Sunday of our three-week vision series, and we're praying right now, God, that you would speak to us today. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've looked at over the last two Sundays, our commitment to be humble, repentant, hungry, and prayerful. We've looked at God's promise to hear, heal, and forgive. We've looked at this concept of our health being a priority for us and our goal is health and his response is miracles. If our goal is to be humble, prayerful, hungry, repentant, then his goal is miraculous, supernatural, to hear, to heal, to forgive, to do the things that God does. We need to have vision for God to move, but we need to focus more, I think, on what we can control. Our vision series culminates today in our Good Works offering, our once a year, one time moment where we come together as a church family to receive an offering for the future of our church. At the end of the service today, we'll receive this offering. At the end of this online message will receive this offering, a holy moment for our church. You'll be at home at your dining room or your kitchen on the countertop. You'll be able to take out your smartphone or another device or even use, create a new window and listen to me in the background and go to our gift page and you'll be able to give online through bank e-transfer or through credit card giving on our gift page. Just so into what our church is doing, a holy moment. Our goal today is to be prayerful and to be intentional. Being generous is a byproduct, I believe, of being prayerful and intentional. Today's Good Works offering will empower our church to move forward, to keep the lights on, to keep gas in the tank. Today's offering is a vote of confidence for our board that we're moving in the right direction. I must admit, over the last few weeks, I've had immense feedback from people that this vision series has been impacting for those who have been a part of it, that it's resonated with our church. If it was Nadia and myself and our church board with immense joy to hear that, to be healthy Christians, is a vision that I think people can comprehend and support. Man, I love it, people tell me. It's so simple. I understand it, they say. I can get on board with it. As we wrap it up, this vision series, as we, as we culminate this moment with good works, Today is a special day, a holy day. It's the day that we come together and give sacrificially and be intentional. That money as a topic should only take center stage as often as it needs to, I think, in the life of the church. We should teach on money, teach on tithing, teach on giving and offerings, teach on being generous for sure. But it should only take center stage as long, I think, as it needs to. Personally, I love giving. I love the concept of um, being generous to others and helping people in their life. 
I've tithed, which is to give 10% of my gross income um, since I was a teenager, since I got my first job. Um, I've given in every special offering in every church at every conference that I've ever been a part of. Um, I, I want to be a part of those moments. I want to I want to contribute where I can. Nadia and I have tithed or sometimes double tithed, given 20% of all of our capital gains of the homes that we've flipped in our lifetime. We believe that if, if there is an increase in our life, that 10% of that financial increase goes to the Lord. We invested all of our savings, our retirement fund, and everything that we had to start local church five years ago. As a family, we're excited about today. We're prayerful. We're humbled. It's that take your sandals off at the edge of the fire, um, the, the burning bush kind of moment. Um, for those that are gathered in person, we'll start to transition just briefly to talk about the envelope that's on their seats. But for those that are, are gathered a part of our online campus, you can open up, as I say, our website right now just to see the gift page. And let me explain what you're looking at there. There are ways that you can give if you're a part of our church, cash or check. But for those online, e-transfer, credit card giving are going to be the two dominant ways that you'll give today. Online giving on our gift page is the clearest place that you can go to give and break down your giving through a pledge, through giving today, through your credit card. E-transfer is the easiest, but please do if you are giving by e-transfer, note that the money that you're giving to info at localchurch.co is for good works. You can write that in the little note at the bottom there. Tax receipts are given for all donations in our church. And the pledge concept, this concept of pledging, means not that we go into debt, but that we give in faith. And what I mean by that is this, is that you can contribute monthly and honor what you feel might be the number in your heart over the next 12 months. You might pledge today $1,200 and then honor that through $100 installments over the next 12 months. You might today pledge $5,000 and then honor that in $400 of installments over the next 12 months. Or you might today pledge $12,000 and obviously honor that with $1,000 installments over the next 12 months. No one should go into debt today because of this offering. We encourage everybody to give. We encourage everybody to come prayerful and intentional. And you can start to think about that now as I move on and begin to preach today's message. For week three of our vision series, I wanted to talk about three characteristics of a healthy church that I think are important. Let me clarify though that we're not going to talk for the next few minutes about squeezing more money out of you today. That's not our purpose. And here are three points that I won't be making today. I won't say that as a healthy Christian that you should give 100% of all of your money. I'm not going to make a point today that as a healthy Christian that you should give more than you plan to today. And I'm not going to be making a point that says as a healthy Christian that you should give everything you own. Today's sermon will help you approach money and giving in a healthy way, I believe, for the rest of your life. But this sermon is not exclusively about money. You can apply it, apply it much more broadly than that. And here are our three points for today. A healthy church seeks the Lord. A healthy church is obedient to the Lord. And thirdly, a healthy church ministers to the Lord. And if you're taking notes, that first one again, which we'll talk about right now, a healthy church seeks the Lord. Last week, we talked about Exodus 33, 
Uh, Moses wants God's presence. He's seeking the Lord. He wants more of him in his life. Show me your glory, he exclaimed in Exodus 33, 18. Then the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass by in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Verse 22, when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cliff of a rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. As we seek the Lord, we encounter his goodness, his name and his glory. As we seek God, we are made better by his presence. We are made better by that process. It improves our lives. Specifically, we want to be able to feel confident that we can get specific answers from God, not just a nebulous sense of his presence, but an affirmation on specific things. Specific answers must come from, friends, specific requests. And specific requests come from an earnest seeker. Finding his will in our lives for specific things is what I want to talk about for a moment here today. Matthew chapter 6, 9 and 10 says, This then is how you should pray, Jesus speaking. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, note this, your will be done. This is a great example. Jesus, the greatest prayer of all time, giving us the greatest example of prayer of all time. He's saying to us that our prayer should be focused on God's will and not our own. That we should be praying, God, your will be done and therefore line up our will or desire or intention with God's will or desire or intention. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Clear-cut things, specific things. I love the story of Dr. Yongi Cho, who, who planted, founded uh, what would become the largest church in the world. And where he lived, there was no... Um, he was in, in, in the depths of the slums. Starting a ministry, a Christian ministry, he had no, no vehicle, no transportation, no furniture. And so he prayed to God for a desk, a chair, and a bike. For months he prayed and nothing came. And he was confronted with this revelation of praying for things, but clear-cut, specific things. And so he began to pray specifically for a mahogany desk, and he prayed for an American bike with gears, and he prayed for a, a chair with wheels on the bottom, an office chair, and God answered his prayer within weeks to the detail of what he prayed, and that became the foundation of his ministry for decades to come. Where we live, or even where we've lived, is an answer to our specific prayers. The cars we've driven has been an answer to our specific prayers. The marriage that we have is an answer to our specific prayers. A specific prayer, it gives you the specific place to direct your specific praise when you get specific answers. Let me say that again. A specific prayer list gives you a specific place where you can direct your specific praise when you get specific answers to your specific prayers. Beyond this request or being clear about what it is that you're asking God, there are a couple of other things that I look for, three things that I look for when trying to seek the Lord. We're talking today about seeking the Lord. The first one is peace. Without it, life can be troublesome, but with it, life is wonderful. Peace in relationships, peace in marriage, peace with our kids, peace with God. My peace I give unto you, Jesus said in John 14, verse 27. Psalm 85, verse 8 in the New Living Translation says, I listen carefully to what God, the Lord, is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. 
Is there a single thing that an adult searches for in life more intently than peace? When we're young, we have no need of peace. We desire action, fulfillment. Once we emerge though into adulthood, we become so focused on peace and our desire for it becomes evident in our lives. The weekends, oh, the weekends. We identify the day of the week based on how far away it is from Friday night. Vacations, oh, we choose peaceful destinations. Parents long for those moments of peace when the kids go to sleep. The Bible describes two kinds of peace to us. It describes the peace that we have with God and the peace of God. The peace with God and the peace of God. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, speaking about peace with God, it says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have peace with the Father because of the sacrifice of the Son. A peace. I'm at peace with God. Philippians 4, 7, though, speaks of another peace. It says, the peace of God is given to us that transcends all understanding. I'm, I know that I'm at peace with God and I have faith that I've, I'm at peace with him, but I have the peace of God that transcends even my understanding of the scenario that I face, and that comes from God. Peace with God is for my spirit, but the peace of God is for my soul. Peace with God is for eternal life, but the peace I have that is of God is for my emotional life. I find peace with God when I welcome Jesus into my life for the first time. But I find the peace of God when I welcome Jesus into my daily life all the time. Peace with God is appropriated by faith for my salvation. But the peace of God is appropriated by faith for my situation. Jesus is my ally for eternity, but he's also my friend for today because I have peace. Not only do I look for peace, but secondly, under the umbrella, I think today of looking for the, the presence of God, of seeking his glory in our lives is an inner witness. An inner witness becomes like an idea um, in the breeze, a moment of connect, the click that we have with the things of God. It becomes like a spark of knowledge in our consciousness, this inner witness, uh, a click from the Spirit of God. It can be very subjective, but it can also be hugely important. That brings our mind into the awareness of God's will, a moment we know it in our Noah, or, or what I like to call the finger magic. It's a little thing that we have in here when we just know, we feel, we think, we know beyond, beyond a doubt. I know that I know that I know something. An inner witness, peace. And thirdly, an inescapability. It's a little self-explanatory here, but it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, you know it. Making a decision for Christ, you know. Marrying Nadia, I knew. Moving to Canada, we knew. And an and inescapability to go with an an inner peace or, or, or an inner witness and to go with the peace of God. These are things that I look for when I seek God and that is because a healthy church seeks the Lord. Number two, if you're taking notes, a healthy church is obedient to the Lord. Obedient to the Lord. Obedience is not a great, it's not a great topic to preach, is it? It's not an easy preach. Um, it's a little trigger word, I think, too. For some of you who've had bad experiences with church leadership, we talk about obedience like, oh, that just sounds like control to me. I get that. I understand that. And, and, and journey with me today. But obedience is a key trait in our faith. Obedience is synonymous with trust and faith and family. 
more than ability, God is looking for our availability. That we would be ready to do his will and, and follow through with what he says to us. More than ability, he's looking for availability. Like a Isaiah who says, here I am, send me. I'm available, Lord. Like Jonah in the belly of the whale, who finally gave up and said, I will go to Nineveh. Or the apostle Paul, who many times changed his ministry direction based on being obedient to the Lord. Hebrews 11 first and verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He was obedient. Our father in the faith was obedient. Faith and obedience are synonymous. We want to be a healthy church that's obedient to the Lord. We could say it another way. We want to be a healthy church that's faithful to the Lord. A message like that gets a lot of applause. We talk about obedience, it gets less because the word has some negative connotations. But obedience is a holy trait when it comes to following the Lord. In our families, our kids are on a journey, aren't they? From, from babies to toddlers and, 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 and infants and all the way through that our kids are on a journey of finding out if we have as parents their best interests at heart. And when they figure that out, they get on board with the journey. The other day, Jovi, after two Saturdays, one Saturday and a second Saturday of trying to teach her how to ride a bike without training wheels, she was away. Great balance, excellent coordination, gone. On the first day, six kilometers cycling on her first day. But she has to trust me that as we approach an intersection and if I call out and say stop or slow down, even if she can't see the danger, that she trusts my voice from behind because I have her best interest at heart, but our trust journey and relationship has established in her obedience because she trusts that I have her best interest at heart. It's like that with God. It's like that with our relationship with God. So we find out that he cares about us and that he has our best interests at heart. Then our trust in him increases and so should our obedience. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your fears or all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. As we mature, we should become increasingly more obedient. Competence and confidence have an interesting relationship. And I think so does our relationship with God in terms of obedience. Confidence and competence have this relationship that you should be confident in what you're good at. I actually think you should have slightly more confidence than what you've achieved. There should always be a gap, I think. Like I can do it even if I've never done it because my resume says I'm right there. Like I've almost done it. Like I back myself to achieve it because of the things I've done, my competency. If your confidence is way above your competency, that's just delusion. But when it comes to our obedience in God, it comes from the fact that we have confidence in what he's done for us. And that gap there is faith. I'm confident that you'll come through because you've come through before. This we've never experienced, but I know that you have my back. A healthy church seeks the Lord. A healthy church is obedient to the Lord. And a healthy church ministers to the Lord. Hebrews 10, 11 says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Deuteronomy 10 verse 8 says, At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister and pronounce blessings in his name as they do 
they still do, the Bible says, today, to stand before the Lord and minister to the Lord and pronounce blessings in his name. We just did that a few minutes ago. We sang three songs of worship. We stood before the Lord and we pronounced blessings to his name. Today's offering is not about what the church does. Today's offering is about ministry to the Lord. We, we bring an offering to the Lord today. It was mint, dill, and cumin, and it was doves, and it was goats, and, and it was cattle in the Old Testament. And the New Testament, if you've got mint and dill, like I, I just think you should just put on some fish and bake it. And I think that'd be just really tasty with some yogurt on the side, some, some baked potatoes. I, I, I don't think that you should, we should bring herbs to the church. Today's offering though, has that same heart behind it. It's ministering to the Lord. That is for the house. I've made a decision not to bless the staff of the church, but to bless the Lord with my offering. That we want to be healthy as Christians. And I believe that healthy Christians are trying to find God's will for their lives, including their finances. That healthy Christians value giving to God. That from the offerings of Abraham to Moses, David to Solomon, from the woman of the early church to us, that today's offering is not about a list of activities. That today's offering is not about the launch of new ministries. That today's offering is not about stuff. It's not about things. Today's offering is exactly that, an offering. It's a chance, isn't it? A holy opportunity. It's a moment, a decision. It's a sacrifice. It's a gift. Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. While today might not be about activities or about ministries, we would love to honor our commitment to Mama Amara. Last year, we gave Rebecca, our midwife in Uganda, $3,000, which was half of her salary. It's not enough. We were able to honor a full salary for two or three years before that. We need to make sure that we double that amount. We would love to help the indigenous communities of Canada through the Arctic Hope Project. We didn't do that last year. We need to, we need to do that. We would love to invest into out of the cold to make sure that those who don't have a home, a place to lay their head, have food to eat in the wintertime here in our city. But our first priority is to our church community. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, which we do, to do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We invested last year $6,260 in therapy for people in our church. This year, that should double, that should triple. There should never be any reason why someone in our church can't get all the support that they need. Last year, we invested $31,852 in pastoral support, tools, hospitality. We plan on doing this again. We have the fund set aside for special pastoral occasions, wedding gifts, uh, um, uh, an outfit for a newborn flowers to celebrate an anniversary we need to keep doing this for the family of believers but we also understand that we may need to divert as many funds as we need to to some more boring and mundane things that don't preach well like salaries venue costs office leases and insurances in short what good are we if we can't keep the lights on what good are we if we cannot be strong to do good things for others. Let us do good to all people, especially though, to those who belong to the family of believers. We humbly, prayerfully, and obediently today bring an offering before the Lord. And our number one hope is that he receives it. The woman with two coins, 
the building of the tabernacle, Jesus teaching on the tithe, that his instruction on money was less about financial acumen and a lot more about the state of our heart as money is a great reflection of where that is. He doesn't want our wallet, he wants our hearts. But he'll often use the idol of the wallet as an illustration and a way to get what he wants. But our wallet is a good reflection, I think, of where our heart truly is. It's all his. It came from him. The cattle on a thousand hills, the silver and the gold is his, the Bible says. The heaven declares his glory, the Bible says. What an opportunity it is to be able to bring a part of what we have to him. The one who's given us everything, the one who we owe everything to. And so today, right where you are, watching this online service today, maybe you could open up another window or grab a device and we're going to throw to the worship team in just a second and close up the service and pray for those who are far from God that you would that you would come close to the Lord through repentance but I want you to um, I guess now come to that that moment where you um, where you give what you've decided to give you've been prayerful you've been intentional you've come humbly you're looking to sacrifice and now's that moment you might be by yourself, might be with a spouse, with a friend, with a group. Open up your phone, open up that window, the give page, www.localchurch.co forward slash give, and just have a look through. Start to feel good about that number that's on your heart, the one you want to give today, what you want to pledge today, whatever that might be. Go through that process right now. And as you do, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray God blesses you, that he, that he instructs and moves and that he speaks to you. And that together as a church family, we're obedient whether online or in person. That's my prayer today, that that would be a great offering, as if we all gave what we felt like the Lord spoke to us to give. And hopefully I've given you some tools about how to achieve that in your life, not just today, but for every day of your life, in any area, to seek Him and be obedient, to minister to Him. And so Father, right now, as we come to give, we're prayerful, we're grateful, we're thankful. Lord, we ask that you would speak to all of us that are gathered here today, that we would um, give in great faith, the sacrificial, generous offering to you. We pray that you bless us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can do that right now or after the service, no problem. But if you're here today and you're saying, Levi, I don't know Jesus. I'm away from him, distant from God. Never had a relationship with him before. I'm glad you tuned in today. I'm glad you're here. And so friend, if that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus. I need him in my life. I'm not right with God. Then I would love to pray a very simple prayer and believe that in this moment, through faith in Jesus, your whole relationship with God would be turned on its head and you could walk right with Him because of what Christ has done for us by dying on the cross. And so if that's you, let me pray for you. Let me stand in the gap, pray a prayer, lead you in a prayer. And, and, and as we do, I believe that, that that moment will change your life forever. So I'll say one line, you repeat it back. The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you, forgive me of my sin and I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next week, we turn four as a church. How does that? Nadia's going to be preaching. It's going to be amazing. Love you so much. Be blessed as you give. We're grateful for those that have lifted up, lifted up their hands. There's a prayer partner in the chat, which you can select that right now. We're grateful that you're part of our church. Thanks for everything. We'll see you next week.